You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is highlights from our weekly service. Hello, good evening. Welcome to Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. Tonight we celebrate the great feast of the ascension of Jesus to heaven. If we're honest, it's a feast that is so easily missed or forgotten about between the great feast of Easter and Pentecost. In Hebrews, we hear of the feast that we have a high priest who can empathise with us in every single way and is at God's right hand to plead for us, to pray for us, to care for us. For me, I prefer to think of it as the fulfilment of Jesus' promise. I'm going now to prepare a place for you. And after I've prepared you a place, I will return to take you with me. In Jesus' ascension, we have the promise of a home for all eternity. A reuniting with every one of us who has, whom we've loved and have lost those who have gone before us in faith so united with them and with the whole host of heaven we rejoice tonight we're quickly coming to the end of our celebration of eastertide each week we began our service by lighting a candle and we do that again tonight To remind you that we are an Easter people, we're called to burn with the light of faith and of love, knowing that the promises Jesus have made will be fulfilled. And last week and this, we also lighted in anticipation of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit that came in flames of fire and descended upon each of the apostles who then went in turn and shared that gift with all who believe in Jesus. Let us pray. Loving God, we rejoice as we remember how you called your son to yourself. Where he has gone, we shall follow after walking his path of love and service. We make our prayer in the same Christ our Saviour. Amen. The first reading is taken from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my other book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. 
Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Creator has set by their own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tonight's Gospel reading comes from John, chapter 17, verses 1 to 11. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all the people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you and the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not pr praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening. In a Psalm of David, Psalm 27, we hear two statements followed by two rhetorical questions. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. 
Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? This sentiment is reflected in the words of a hymn. Be still, for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One, is here. Be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. In whatever place you are this evening, I invite you now to join with me in prayer using the words of another hymn. O God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, breathe through the heats of our desire your coolness and your balm. Let sense be done, let flesh retire, speak through the earthquake, wind and fire. O still, small voice of calm. Amen. There is a phrase which some people use a lot, which I always find a bit strange, especially when it's used a lot. It's the phrase, to be honest. People who use these words often add a little embellishment to give the words even more emphasis by saying very earnestly, to be honest, Morgan. My problem with this phrase is that I can't help wondering whether the message I'm supposed to take from this earnest aside is that everything else which comes out of that person's mouth bears only a passing relationship with the truth. So it's with a little hesitation that I'm starting today's talk with the phrase, to be honest. And I use this phrase because it's time that someone delivering a sermon said openly to you that, to be honest, I know that you know that I know that a lot of what I say will be totally forgotten well before bedtime tonight. But the fact that you are with us once again this evening is a clear sign that you're at least open to hearing something during our hour together which resonates with you. Something which you might remember after this evening and something which might be helpful to you over the next few days. And to be honest, you know and I know, and I know that you know, that any memorable something from this evening probably won't be something that you heard me say. From me, you might get lots of noise. It's been described as lots of wind, or in the words of the hymn writer, lots of earthquake, wind and fire. But to be honest, what most of us are looking for in church is not wind, but something more like the still, small voice of calm. So I'm resigned to the fact that your memorable something this evening will probably not be something you heard me say. It might be some lyrics from a song which chime with where you are this evening. 
It might be something from a scripture reading. It might be words from Holy Communion, which you've heard so many times. But tonight they just mean a little bit more than usual. Or it might be our prayers, which are particularly meaningful for you tonight. And our reading from St John's Gospel this evening lets us know that Jesus might have been the greatest preacher, but he was well aware that it's not always the sermon that gets remembered. So during the final days with his disciples, he tried to convey his message through the symbolism of washing the feet of the disciples and through sharing bread and wine with commemorative words of the Last Supper. Then he tried one more time to explain everything to his disciples through the very long sermon recorded for us as chapters 15 and 16 in the Gospel according to St John. Then came another attempt to share his perspective, this time by giving the disciples the chance to listen in to a conversation between Jesus and God the Father. And it is this deliberately overheard prayer which constitutes our Gospel reading this evening. This overheard prayer must have succeeded in having considerable impact because it is the longest recorded prayer in the whole of the New Testament. It's sometimes called the Lord's Prayer because it was his prayer, the prayer of Jesus, whereas what we usually call the Lord's Prayer is really the Disciples' Prayer which Jesus asked everyone else to follow. However, to avoid confusion this evening, I suggest that we keep with tradition about what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer and call the prayer which constitutes our reading today as the Prayer of Jesus. Anyway, surprise, surprise, there is considerable consistency between the framework of what we always call the Lord's Prayer and what we are calling the prayer of Jesus. So much so that I think that the better known the Lord's Prayer provides an extremely useful framework to help us understand the difficult concepts in the words of the prayer of Jesus, which was deliberately overheard by the disciples. The framework of the Lord's Prayer can be divided into two parts. The focus of the first half of the Lord's Prayer is glorification of God, our Father in heaven, whose name is hallowed and whose kingdom inspires honour, with his will being sought in heaven, sorry, in, on earth as it is in heaven. The focus of the second half of the Lord's Prayer is ourselves. In the words of the well-known traditional version, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Similarly, in the Gospel reading from John 17, the prayer of Jesus consists of two distinct parts. In some versions of the Bible, part 1, verses 1 to 5, is headed, Jesus prays to be glorified. Part 2, verses 6 to 11, is headed, Jesus prays for his disciples. So hopefully this division into two parts is a helpful framework for considering both prayers together. 
In part one of the prayer of Jesus, Jesus prays to his Father who is in the glory of heaven. Glory which Jesus notes he had with the Father before the world began. Jesus also elaborates in part one on the prayerful message of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. By stating that the hour has come because the work you gave me to do has been completed. Eternal life has been offered to humanity. And now the stage has been reached for Jesus to move from glorification on earth to a resumption of the situation before Jesus came to earth. So Jesus prays for glorification of both God the Father and God the Son. Moving to part two of the prayer of Jesus, Jesus prays for his disciples. In part two of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus asks us to pray for ourselves. So to compare the two prayers, it probably helps to redirect the focus of the Lord's Prayer as if Jesus had included them within his personal prayer to God. So the result would sound something like this. Give them this day their daily bread and forgive them their trespasses as they forgive those who trespass against them. And lead them not into temptation, but deliver them from evil. With that in mind, the content of the second part of the prayer of Jesus might look something like this. I'm praying for the disciples, the ones who we asked to listen to us and who not only listened to us, but accepted what we had to say to the best of their ability. Although these guys have been limited in their understanding by the framework of the world they were born into, they have been incredibly dedicated. They are credit to themselves and to us. And so I earnestly pray for all of them. Give them this day their daily bread. When I'm no longer constricted by a human form, they will still face all the needs of humans. They'll be tempted. They'll make mistakes or trespasses. They will suffer all sorts of evil. So, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name so that they may be one, just as we are one. Today and every day, especially when I'm no longer with them on earth, I pray that they will be given all the support they need. I pray for them that they may be given their daily bread. Maybe hearing a prayer like this may have grabbed the attention of the disciples in a way that the previous long sermon on the subject failed to do. There were at least three striking messages for them in the prayer. One was that their leader, Jesus, would not be with them on earth for very much longer. The second was that they would be expected to continue with the difficult mission which they had been undertaking together. And the third was that although they had their human limitations, they would have superhuman support. Jesus would still be helping them through any difficulties. Not many days after this came the crucifixion, then the resurrection, and the various appearances we have been considering over recent Sundays. Then came the Ascension, about which there was a brief mention 
during this evening's reading from the Acts of the Apostles, and which was celebrated this week on Ascension Thursday. This was immediately followed, according to our reading, by a regrouping of the disciples and others in a room in Jerusalem. Now I wonder whether this was the same upper room where Jesus had previously appeared to Thomas and the other disciples. This time we are told that it was an upper room. We are also told it was the room where they were staying. It must have been a very big room because at least 11 named males were in this room. Also joined regularly by the family of Jesus and also by a female group, not dignified by their own names, but grouped together in the enigmatic phrase as the women. <clears throat> the impression I get is that this group of men and women had become more confident than they had been immediately after the resurrection. But they still must have been traumatised by the ascension, however much Jesus had tried to prepare them for this time. Immediately before the ascension, they were still asking him if he was about to restore the kingdom to Israel. The penny had still not quite dropped. Despite the experience of washing feet and sharing the Last Supper, despite the extended sermon, despite listening to the prayer of Jesus, despite appearances from the resurrected Jesus, when he tried again and again to explain what was happening. We read in the book of Acts that they were still asking, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were still hoping for lots of noise, lots of earthquake, wind and fire. But Jesus quietly reminded them about the message in the prayer of Jesus that they were expected to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. And once again, for the last time, they were reminded that they would be supported in this task by the Holy Spirit. Then he quietly disappeared in a cloud. Not surprisingly, they were dumbstruck and stood looking at the spot where he disappeared. Until two men appeared out of nowhere and asked them why they were looking lost and staying at the spot when they had already been told what was going to happen. A traumatic experience for them. But what's interesting for me is that they did come to their senses. They did leave the spot and they walked back to Jerusalem where they reassembled in the upper room. And it's useful for us to remember that although we have the benefit of knowing about Pentecost and the wonderful things they later achieve through the Holy Spirit, at this moment in time the disciples had been told what would happen but had certainly no experience of a Christian journey without the earthly presence of Christ. They were ordinary people and not yet an army of ordinary people. We read that this big group of traumatised followers all joined together constantly in prayer. So at least they remembered something 
As they prayed, I wonder if they remembered the words of the Lord's Prayer. Or perhaps they remembered some of the things that were said during the prayer of Jesus. Or perhaps comfort came from the lyric of a song remembered from their childhood, Psalm 27, which stated confidently in the words we listened to earlier this evening, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Or perhaps they remembered the breaking of bread and the sharing of wine with the words, do this in remembrance of me. Or perhaps as they prayed, they remembered sections of the long sermon Jesus preached to them just before the prayer of Jesus. Though this may be the least likely. Just as it doesn't really matter which part of this evening service is most meaningful for you. God speaks to different people in different ways at different times. And to be honest, you know that I know that listening to a sermon is far from the only way or even the best way to hear God speaking. As we move to our time of prayer, as we reflect through music, as we share Holy Communion together, we listen for a still, small voice of calm, echoing the words of the psalm. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Be still. For the presence of the Lord, the Holy One, is with us wherever we are. Now is the time we set aside to speak directly with one and with God and to listen to the one who knows us intimately and loves us in all our imperfections. Keeping with our custom in the Metropolitan Community Church, I light a special candle as we remember all those who have surrendered themselves to your tender care due to HIV-related illnesses. I light this second candle as you remember and pay tribute to all who have succumbed to coronavirus and other conditions. So let us pray together for ourselves, for our communities and for the wider world. Loving God, mother and father of all creation, we come together from different places and in different ways, knowing that we are all in your presence and in the presence of your son, Jesus, the Christ. Your ascension, Lord Jesus, to your place beside your mother and father has set you free, free from the constraints of human existence, free beyond the limitations of time and space, free to be here with us now in our worship and fellowship. Yes, even in the virtual fellowship of our present circumstances. For in your freedom, 
You have bound yourself to each of one of us with a promise. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Rejoicing in your amazing love, Lord, we pour out before you now the needs, cares and concerns of all our sisters and brothers, whoever and wherever they may be. We pray for those who are going through dark times and who need to feel you close, who need the reassurance of your love and the encouragement of your spirit. We pray for those who are persecuted, ridiculed or discriminated against for any reason, because of their faith, their race, their color, our gender, sexuality, gender identity, ability or needs. We pray for those who are imprisoned, tortured, detained, exiled or seeking asylum or refuge because they have struggled for their rights or the rights of others. We pray for those who are destitute or homeless or victims of abuse or hungry or unable to work because of the unkindness of our world. We pray for those without jobs, those placed on furlough and those facing, facing distressing financial circumstances made worse in the current pandemic. We pray for those who are filled with guilt or heart or heartbroken or perplexed and confused because of a relationship that has ended in or is in difficulty. We pray for those who feel frustrated or in discomfort or pain or who are afraid because they are ill or have been injured. We pray for those who are nearing the end of their journey on earth, that they may know your comfort and peace. We pray for those who feel numb or angry or abandoned or lonely because they have been bereaved. We pray for the world as it encounters and strives to respond to the coronavirus pandemic and for all who are affected, whether through illness or isolation or anxiety. We pray for all those working in health and care environments through whose compassion, skills, dedication and insights, many will be restored to health. We pray for all who are working hard to support communities in these difficult circumstances, whether in paid roles or as volunteers. We pray for the worldwide church, this leaders, for metropolitan community churches everywhere, and for those in Northern Lights MCC who are working tirelessly to bring us and keep us together as a family. We pray for those who are guiding our nation, working tirelessly to shape national policies and strategies and to gather scarce resources that they may make wise and timely decisions. And we pray for the leaders of all nations and world bodies 
that they may work together to coordinate international approaches to the coronavirus pandemic. We bring to you, Lord, all for whom requests for prayer have been placed in our special book of intentions. Help them all to come to terms with their pain and difficulties and help them look forward to the future, whatever and wherever that may be. We place them in your healing presence, Lord, and ask that you enfold every single person who needs to feel the warmth and tenderness of your embrace. So now let us pray for the needs of people known to us personally. Be with us all, Lord, in our daily struggles to follow you in our periods of doubt and despair and in times of happiness and health and loving. Be with us all until the time when in the heavenly realm of your love, our joy will know no end. We make our prayers in faith and love for you. We now commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to your mercy and protection, Lord, and to the healing love of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray as we say together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And my friends, we finish with the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we do, you can find us on social media or visit our website, northernlightsmcc.org.uk.